I'm Daniel Scarpinato. My friends call me Scarp. I've been blessed to have a really great career in journalism, media, and politics. Along the way, I've become friends and, I would say, frenemies with some of the most interesting people. Some of them are famous, some infamous, and some completely unknown. We're turning on the mics now to discuss people, politics, and, well, pretty much everything else. So please sit back, relax, grab a drink, jump on the treadmill, whatever. Please enjoy the show. Hey, welcome everyone. We received such a great reception last week. We thought last week might be our first and last show, but uh, some of you actually listened. We got great feedback. We got a ton of downloads and subscribers. So just really thankful for everyone who listened, who subscribed, who talked to their friends about it, who tweeted about it, and uh, we decided to keep it going. So uh, we're here today with some, some good friends and some fun people, some smart people who have joined us. Uh, starting off with, uh, who says all attorneys suck? You know him from TV, you know him from the courtroom, Anchorman, Anchorman turned business law attorney, Matt Uris. Pumped to be here. Uh, I have a fantastic time when drinking. At this stage, that is not happening. So no promises for fun during this podcast, you, but you've we'll got get some there. apple juice and you've got Teddy with you. <laughs> That's the again truth. I got today. my Teddy. I got Teddy with me. So there's no uh, old fashioned in tow this time. Excellent. She's America's mayor, the Honorable Jen Daniels, former mayor of the town of Gilbert and now a partner at Horizon Strategies, a full-service public affairs firm. Jen, great to see you. Thank you Thank for being here. Thank you for here. having me. I hope I say something that <laughs> removes the title of America's mayor today. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's possible. Uh, and a friend and colleague of mine for longer than I can remember, long time public servant and education policy leader, Don Wallace, vice president of the Arizona Center for Civic Leadership at the Flynn Foundation. Don, thanks for being here. Hey, Scarpy, how are you? I'm good. I'm know good. all your secrets. I'm going to share them out today. <laughs> Please don't. Scarpy, I've never heard that one. Is that open for everybody, or is that no. just a little? It's mine. Those are people from, like, way back, from my 20s. Closer than we are, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I do have a, I'm really glad you guys are here. I do have a confession. Um, you weren't my first choices for today's show. <laughs> Didn't need to know that, you know? Didn't Actually, need to know this that. This wasn't our first choice for our 5 p.m. time <laughs> slot either. Do, well, everybody I reached out to was like out of town. A lot of people were at weddings. So why you guys are all here in town? You don't have anything better to do? <laughs> not that fun when I'm not drinking. I told you this. <laughs> no, but seriously, no, I'm glad you guys are all here, and I appreciate you taking the time. But what, what is up with all these weddings this year? You can't it, stop love, Scarp. And it's the perfect time to get out of town. Have you been Have you been invited to a lot of weddings? No, I'm of that age bracket where all the weddings have come and gone, and now I got to wait a few more years to catch all the the second marriages, and then we'll be raring to go. I'll say in in July of uh, 2026 or seven, the wedding beat should pick back up again. I feel like with COVID though, it's like there was this buildup of nobody getting married, and now they're all getting married. Either that or people spend a lot of time on apps during <laughs> COVID. That's probably more likely. And this is the result. I don't know if you saw, but a couple weeks ago when the Roe v. Wade decision came down, uh, Gavin Newsom in California, our neighboring state, came out and said, hey, we're going to ban travel 
any kind of state-sponsored travel to all these states that uh, weren't doing what he wanted to be done on this issue. And then long behold, it comes out today that he actually is on vacation in one of these states in Montana. This is his M.O., though. We've been through this with him. With the whole... Uh, French Laundry in November right. 2020. He's having a uh, very, very high-end restaurant. I don't begrudge him that. But uh, when everybody else is told to stay at home and keep the mask on and you're uh, filling your pie hole with delicacies, it rubs some the wrong way. <clears throat> I will say, and then I'll, I'll relent to someone who wants to be less <laughs> nerdy about this. I didn't have a chance to review this, this law in full because of my... My host making me his second choice. I was the last <laughs> second call, so I couldn't quite review these things. But I noticed it was state-sponsored uh, state travel. Sounds like, according to a spokesperson, he didn't, he's on the personal dollar. However, the security, I'd probably exempt from the law. He's the governor. One little thing I think that does take the sting out of this, and there's no love lost for me and Gavin Newsom, the mother-in-law. you got to go see the mother-in-law. <laughs> uh, come on, give the guy a break on that front. Well... With all due respect to America's favorite mayor, uh, uh, Jen Daniels. She's surpassed Rudy Giuliani <laughs> a long wow. time ago. I mean, it's, I mean low, come on. Low bar, guys. Politicians saying something and doing something else is not new. In the words of the great American philosopher, Billie Eilish, duh. I mean, like... Will you just admit you wish you were with Gavin Newsom no, in Montana? I, if I was in Montana, I would want... Brad Pitt circa 1995 teaching me how to fly fish naked. That's the only reason I would be in Montana, because what else do you do in Montana with all due respect to anybody who's I, from I just Montana. want to interrupt real quick. We haven't heard from America's mayor yet. Yeah. But for the record, Scarp, or Scarpy, whatever we're doing today, <laughs> B-team is coming in strong I early. Agree. I early. Agree. The bottom line is leaders are just held to a higher standard, period. The optics of it are bad. If I was advising him, I would have been like, you're absolutely crazy. Uh, have your mother-in-law meet you in a California-friendly state. And aren't there mountains that you can visit in California? Well, and I guess to me it's just like, doesn't this just point to how absurd his original thing was, that it's just virtue signaling and, like, it's just so stupid. Mm -hmm. If you think of a California-friendly state, he should probably only have to travel, I guess, to New York. That would be... Uh, I'm kidding. Well, Big fan of shorter. California. I've had many of good times there. <laughs> so speaking of uh, dumb things out of neighboring states, so... <laughs> that's true. Um, so Colorado, after 65 years of ice cream trucks being banned, decided to legalize them. Global warming. They're warming up out there. They're starting to catch on. Like we got to do something. I have so many opinions about I, this one. I want to hear. Love I want to hear. Don, I love them. You love ice cream. I it's, I have a Pavlovian response to the music. The music. When the ice cream truck goes yeah. by the house, yeah. I run to buy my six dollar ice cream sandwich. I'm so curious. I mean, I've heard multiple variations of songs from ice cream trucks throughout my life, my 43 years of living. Was it Pop Goes the Weasel? Is that Was that the nuisance song? Do kids still get those? I was gonna say, are these childhood I, memories? Or are you guys oh, exercising this right my, regularly my here in kid, Arizona? My kid, for her Absolutely. eighth grade promotion graduate, I don't even know why we say that, but for eighth grade promotion, asked for one thing, an ice cream truck to come to the house and give her friends ice cream. I, I just, I don't, I don't really? understand it, yeah. Did you and come I, through? 
Oh, damn right. I, I feel like the, <laughs> what do you think? I feel like Just the people were always creepy notes. who worked in those ice cream trucks. Not this dude. <laughs> no? Not the guy behind the <laughs> counter on this ice cream truck. Give me a little background here, Scarp. <laughs> Let me be nerd for a second. What, do we know how this managed to stay on the books for 65 years? Was there any actual, and oh, I can tell by his blank stare. I mean, he's like, shut the <laughs> I, up. I can the tell team. you. The B team does not Hey, we ask sent you questions. the article ahead of time. You should have read it. Unless someone is specifically tasked with going through old law books and removing laws that are no longer applicable, they stay there, right? You have to be really intentional about it as a leader, as maybe that's a a mayor's effort or city council's effort is let's go through these, you know, antiquated laws and figure out, but there's laws like this that exist all over the country. No, I agree with you. So, I mean, we had something here. I remember where potlucks were actually technically illegal and, uh, and we legalized them the governor governor Ducey did and i think we declared like a a um uh what is it called a casserole day or something yes i remember i was tasked with organizing (laughs) casserole day at the governor's office so what's something you would ban like if you could ban something normal would there be anything you would want to ban so there's an app for that it's called next door and you can oh, issue all of your grievances. Crazy Direct them to your app, neighbors. Yeah. Is yeah. that how people contacted you as mayor? Absolutely. <laughs> we responded to every really? complaint that way. No. no. Nobody <laughs> does that. Since this can be edited out and we're sitting in Phoenix, mm-hmm. what was up with Phoenix not having a fireworks show? A massive city. It's my home. Live, work, and play there. And I'm in Scottsdale hanging out, having a great time. I got to say, in the midst of it, in the back of my mind, kind of starting to think Phoenix, construction's everywhere, I got no fireworks now, and a little bit open space in Scottsdale. They, does anyone know why they canceled it? Supply chain. Really? Poor planning. Okay. Or inability to stretch their public safety to hold an event is, is my hold America's birthday. When we say event, I want to be clear, to hold America's birthday. Okay, and so Scottsdale did hold a on. damn fine job hold of on. holding America's birthday. During the downturn of the economy, <laughs> so think back 2008, 9, 10, we canceled Gilbert's celebration of July 4th because we were in a budget crisis. We had to cut $22 million from our budget. That was like one-fifth of our budget. I don't got the, you know, I don't got that budget in front of me, but I got to think we could have, we could have held up America's birthday and gotten rid of something. Something. Yeah, I do think in some of these places where wildfires That's are different. an issue, that That's it seems agreed, appropriate. Completely. But, um, but there's a it, shortage of police and firefighters in the city of Phoenix. Think of all of the resources that have to be spent, and you're paying what, two times, time and a half, two times, overtime. Fireworks to me are like watching a sporting event. Why would I want to go drive an hour, sit there, pay 10 bucks for a beer? Here's what I I love about July 4th and why I would be very passionate as mayor, governor, et cetera, about cities uh, maintaining their tradition. It is especially in these days, the one day a year where we all get together, put our red, white, and blue on and say, wow, America slash Arizona is the best freaking place in the world. And I don't want to see that uh, the new tradition be because we're always going to have shortages. There's always going to be budget issues. Okay, not to yank this back into politics, but you brought up, Don, uh, sporting events. And there's been this trend lately that we've seen the last few weeks, few months, where sports teams are starting to weigh in on politics. The Yankees did kind of a tweet storm about gun violence. The Dallas Cowboys 
um, are getting backlash for partnering with a gun-themed coffee company called Black Rifle Coffee, and people are criticizing them, and they basically are coming out and um, and and responding to that. So, didn't sports used to be? I'm actually not a huge sports fan, but it it feels like it is was something that was pretty apolitical, and now just like everything else in life politics are getting yanked into sports. always been yeah. political absolutely always been political Partisan think politics or like you're talking about politics within well you know we're, we're in the bubble right so yeah. everything has a political slant to it that's mm-hmm. that's how we live that's the the world right. that, that we all sit here and operate in but you think about desegregation of you know athletic teams years and years ago okay but um, you're talking now about like 50 years ago well, so, they've always been political on some level, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 49ers and calling was, an Were they political? Why, why can't they be? They're private enterprise. No, to I, me, it's no different than if you're a small business owner and you choose to, you know, have your hours open a certain number of days of the week for whatever reason. These are, these are not government entities. These are private enterprises multi-billion dollar yeah. multi i'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to do it i'm saying should they is it smart sure, why not because they've got constituencies well yeah and a lot of their constituents may not like their politics so well, is it isn't it aren't they just alienating people well, i don't have to watch think about if your company and of course if it's private it can say whatever it would like if this issue is in its stream of conscience then maybe it wants to weigh in So the example this lawyer gave, Patagonia. It makes total sense for them to be huge advocates of climate change. Outdoor company, adventure wear, all these different things Arizonans are clearly familiar with. But maybe they don't want to comment on chip makers coming in from overseas. And I think to bring this one home in my own eloquent, incredibly boring way, um, I think that professional teams should keep that in mind and then two be careful of their own hypocrisy and we won't don't need to get into all of it but the NBA is front and center in every cultural matter in this country and I enjoy the NBA I go to Suns games I'm a huge fan Um, but it's not lost on me and a lot of its other fans about what they will say and what they won't say when it comes to their bottom line so you think the players are the revolters and the leadership uh, and the owner. Maybe. Uh, the Cowboys are afraid of their players that they can trade like that. 100%. Yeah, John, let's just back up for a second. Oh, this come is a, on. No, this is, we have evidence of this. Very clear. Um, and I'm not diving in, in, into this. As I've said before, I'm on the Michael Jordan plan of money making, which is Republicans and Democrats need lawyers. He said tennis shoes. I'll say lawyers. But um, when people, when, when kneeling for the anthem was prominent, Jerry Jones initially came out and took a very strong stance against that. My players will stand. We will honor the flag. And the backlash he faced the week after you see him down the field, backpedaling different things he said, there was compromises made, a lot of speech writing, which I'm sure everyone here can appreciate. So to Scarb's point and your point, he's the owner. He's got the final say. Yeah, but Matt, is he doing that for his players or is he doing it for the people who buy tickets? Or who buy his merchandise. In Texas, for his players. 
I want to hear Jen's thoughts here. You do, and damned if you don't. And I think everybody realizes that. I mean, these teams are, you know, making a statement because they think that that's what they're supposed to do, or they truly believe in it, one or the other. But if they make a statement, they people come after them. I'm not going to watch your team anymore. I'm not going to buy tickets. I'm canceling my, you know, season tickets. I'm whatever it is vice versa they don't make a statement they stay quiet um they they remove themselves from that conversation and people are coming out saying you know you guys have a an ability to be influential here you should be speaking up so i don't know like pick your poison i guess at that point and it better be something you're either passionate about or you're really responding to your fans well this was great guys thanks so much for being here and thank you teddy teddy our mascot absolutely And we're back. You know, uh, I think the biggest topic that I end up talking to my friends and colleagues about is the economy. It's just unavoidable that it's a discussion point because everyone's seeing the prices go up um, all around us. And obviously, it's a big issue this election season. I'm joined today by someone who can talk to us about what's happening in our economy, a real life economist in the flesh and blood, Glenn Farley, who's director of policy and research at the Common Sense Institute. The Common Sense Institute is a nonpartisan research think tank that's focused on examining the economic impacts of state and local policy. Glenn, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, Scott. Pleasure to be here. What What is happening with the economy right now? Because we see things like the unemployment numbers that look like They've been moving in a positive direction overall. Unemployment is low, but then we also see this pinch that people are feeling and this increase in inflation and in prices. So what's the lay of the land? What do we make of all this? Well, you actually asked the question at a very interesting and precarious time in in, uh, national history, probably. And that's because, as you just alluded to, a lot of the indicators that policymakers typically look to unemployment rates, uh, personal income numbers, et cetera, et cetera, at historic highs. At the same time, sentiment, as you know, or probably know, is at historic lows and falling very, very quickly and falling in real time. Um, The economic data is lagging. This is the fundamental problem with looking at the indicators like the unemployment rate that you just mentioned. It's all slow. It's all lagging. We're talking at least two months. Normally, two months isn't a big deal. When the economy is changing rapidly, which I think it is right now, it becomes a big deal. So I think the combination of rapid price increases, the peel-off of federal stimulus that was buoying balance sheets for consumers and rapid tightening at the Federal Reserve is causing the economy to probably imminently go into recession. I think that's Mm -hmm. why you're seeing sentiment sour. Consumers, businesses, they realize that things are bad today. Policymakers are looking at the the lagging data Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, things look great. Real-time indicators suggest we're probably going to have negative GDP growth in the second quarter as well, which would mean effectively we're in recession as we speak. We won't know that officially until the GDP numbers come out in about two to three months. It's really something because I think back at March, April of 2020, when I think we all were predicting, I'm not an economist, you are, but everybody was operating under the assumption that we were on the verge of a recession. Maybe we were in a recession, I don't know. And then to look at kind of what has happened with the economy between now and then, 
you know, everything was on fire. I mean, uh, what? It's such a crazy time. I mean, could you have predicted then that we'd be here now where we'd have two years of what we've seen and then headed into this scenario? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, at the time in in early 2020, when we were thinking this, I was working in Governor Ducey's office with you as his chief economist. And you're absolutely right. What we were prognosticating was imminent recession, that it was likely to be short but catastrophic, and that uh, state general fund revenues would collapse. The short recession did come to pass officially, but for all practical purposes, it was invisible. So how will Arizona be impacted in this potential recession? Last time around, we were heavy hit during the Great Recession, but it sounds like what you're describing here is a much different kind of type of recession maybe and and maybe our economy is a little bit different today i mean what do you see the impact here at home that's a great question and and the easy answer is i don't know and frankly nobody knows you know even though it is becoming increasingly clear that we're likely entering recession it's difficult to predict how severe it will be how long it will last or who will be hit particularly hard historically arizona has fared relatively well when the national economy has gone into recession. The Great Recession was the exception to that. Arizona was hit particularly hard. The reason for that is that recession was concentrated in construction and housing sectors, which most of the growth of the mid-2000s had been in, in those sectors in the state. This time around, Arizona's economy is more diverse. Most of the growth that we've enjoyed in the past five years or so has been in manufacturing and other higher tech sectors. So um, you're not a political operative, you're an economist. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of people out there on the campaign trail right now talking about inflation and how they would address it. How realistically can it be addressed? What what would someone in elected office, state, local, federal, what could be done, if anything, to try to address this? Yeah, great question. And uh, uh, the answer is policymakers could do a lot, particularly at the federal level, but even at the state and local level, to address the problem. They could even do more to not make the problem worse. The trouble is that the easiest things for them to do tend to be counterproductive. So inflation tends to be demand-driven and demand-controlled. Supply, if we sort of take as fixed, right? You can't necessarily ramp up or down supply at will. What the policymakers, the Federal Reserve, and elected officials can control to some extent is demand, right? They can can stoke demand or they can scale it back. So if we take as given that demand is too high right now relative to supply and that's pushing inflation up, then policymakers should not further stoke demand and they should try and inflate supply. So you should do supply-friendly side policies. So these would be business tax reductions, regulatory relief, things like that to stoke the investment that can increase some of the supply and help that catch up to demand. The other thing you can do is just not stoke demand. So you hear a lot of talk of rebates, additional stimulus, a gas tax holiday. Things like this are entirely counterproductive and that they're likely to further stoke demand. Where is the best prime rib in town, in your opinion? (laughs) Uh, Also a great question. I would say... The best prime rib in town that I have had is at Feeney's. I agree. In we North were, Central Phoenix. <laughs> and we, we recently <laughs> had dinner there and had a great time. And I would say it's also a really good deal 
because especially with everything that's happening, their their prices are very reasonable. And the interesting thing about Feeney's is there's like one woman there who's waiting every table. She's a lovely woman from Greece, and I like think she makes the food, serves the food, seats everyone. But most places you go out to eat right now, you have this real crunch on the workforce. And I think we all see it when we're out and about. Where did these workers go? What happened kind of post-COVID? Because it would stand to reason that people would have come back into the workforce. They've got to be somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is also one of those interesting topical topical things. So if you go back in time with me, there's some high-level stylized facts that we kind of take for granted as economists about the economy. And one of those things is that generally over big spans of time, the past 50 years or so, um, people work more on average. There are more workers per household. You have the entry of two worker households and all that relatively new 1970 to roughly 1990 to 2000. But 2000 to the 2020, you see a break. You say labor force participation starts to decline, people working less, et cetera, et cetera. This obviously accelerates during the pandemic and hasn't really recovered since. So how is it that, Glenn, that we could be um, headed into a recession, but also have record inflation because people are having all this activity in the economy? They, they just don't seem, I think, at least in my mind, to match up. I love this question because you're absolutely right. You're referring to something that, that economists call the Phillips curve, which is this sort of expected inverse relationship between the inflation rate and the unemployment rate. You can't have both high unemployment or high inflation, theoretically. Um, um, The reason I love this question is between 2010 and 2020, the Phillips curve was dead. And I make air quotes as I say that because economists were looking at the world and they were like, we have low unemployment and low inflation. And indeed, even when the unemployment rate moves, inflation stays flat at 2%. So whatever relationship must be gone and broken, and that's part of what I think led to the policy mistakes during COVID. The assumption Phillips curve was dead enabled policymakers at the federal level to do what they did because the assumption was that wouldn't create inflation. Now, if you look at 2020 to 2022, you see a complete restoration of the Phillips curve. So we had high unemployment and low inflation in mid-2020. Today, we have very, very low unemployment and very, very high inflation. So if you plot that on a curve, you have a perfect Phillips curve, the likes of which we haven't seen in the United States since like before 1980. Um, But back to your original question, how then can we get to recession if the inflation doesn't go away? And the answer, I think, is something again that happened around 1980, the so-called stagflation. So again, in the 70s, policymakers assumed you couldn't have both low growth and high inflation. Um, And so that faulty assumption led them to make some bad policy choices, which ultimately created the stagflation crisis of the 70s into the 80s. I think it's possible we're heading into that. I think, again, policymakers were slow to react. You remember the conversation mm-hmm. was inflation is transitory. Right. Assumption is transitory meant they didn't react quickly. That slowness to react meant that inflation was allowed to build up, go faster and become more persistent. Now, as they are starting to react, they're going to drive the economy into recession they're gonna do that faster than they can bring inflation under control. So for at least a short time, hopefully only for a short time, you're likely to have that combination of stagflation. I feel like if my dad were here, he'd ask, how does somebody become an economist and do you have to be licensed? 
Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> if there's one thing we economists tend to agree on, it's that that occupational licensing is uh, is not necessary. So it would Good be answer. it would be amusing if if economists required licenses themselves. But you know, it's mostly a self given title. Anyone can be an economist. Just start calling yourself one and get somebody to host you on the radio. <laughs> I love it. Well, Glenn, thanks so much for for being here, Glenn Farley from the Common Sense Institute, and also I should say the author, one of the authors of Arizona's flat tax, the lowest flat tax in the country. So you can thank Glenn next time you pay your taxes that you're paying less. Thanks, Glenn, for being here. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it's Scarp. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please subscribe to listen to all of our new episodes.